0: The reason people aren't financially free is they don't know what to do and they don't know where to start. I want you to join Joey and I or the Virtual Inner Circle Live, April the 4th through the 6th, as we share with you the exact answers to those questions. We only do this event one time per year. I don't want you to miss out. Go to wealthwattwattstreet.com forward slash live and enter promo code PODCAST. When you're at this event, you're going to get your investor DNA, you're going to get access to up to six different passive income strategies. So, you know, leaving this event, exactly what to do, taking our decades of knowledge so that you can start becoming financially free. Go to WealthWallStreet.com forward slash live and enter the promo code podcast. So today's title is so juicy, Joey, and for so many reasons, because we get a chance to beat up on Wall Street, which they need it, man. They really do need it and they deserve it. They deserve it. They, they they do deserve it. And also it also brings in delight. Like I, I have a personal, you know, I love watching gangster movies, love watching mobster movies, whether it's like The Departed, Goodfellows, Casino, Donnie Brasco. The town. I mean, there's so many of those that I I just, I kind of like watching that kind of stuff. So it makes me think of this. But in today's episode, Jason Hartman says there is 10 commandments to successful investing. And within that, he gave us one point, which is thou shall maintain control, meaning that we should be in control of our investments because if we are not, then we're giving up access to one of three people, idiots. crooks (laughs) or people who are just going to suck it to us with the amount of uh, fees that they're charging. So I got, you you can pick from one of those three you've had experiences before you and I met. What was either the biggest idiot crook or someone who just sucked it to you with fees that you want to share real quickly?
1: Uh, All right. I'll I'll give you the, the idiot. okay? Okay. The idiot was, the guy that, uh, he worked with a company that rhymes with fourth semester. (laughs) Okay. And, uh, (laughs) let me just say, he came to meet with me at my office. I'm brand new in the mortgage business. I don't have any money to invest. I'm not even, you know, thinking about that at the moment. And we get done with the, the whole presentation. It's a canned presentation. You can tell. And I said, man, I'm just, it's not a good fit for me. I'm not really ready to do anything. And and I kind of was off put by him just in general. And he still proceeded to basically ask me to write down 10 people's names and numbers that I could call with his referral or with my, you know, for my referral. And I was just like totally blown away that this guy had the audacity to ask for that. And in the sense that I I was never going to do business with it. Like, this is not a good fit. And yet he still pushed
0: forward. That is an idiot if I've ever seen one. I, I mean, they. Did you give him the 10 people's name?
1: Okay. Well, maybe I was an idiot. Because I, I, felt <laughs> I gave him some names. Then I immediately called him and said, don't answer this guy's call.
0: Oh my okay. goodness. Stallion. So you knew this guy was an idiot. You are going to do business with him. And he still got you to give him names and numbers. It was the
1: pressure, man. I, I, I had to grow a lot in saying no, but you know, yeah, uh. I was the
0: bigger idiot, I guess. Man, well, don't be an idiot. Don't deal with crooks and don't get just taken for everything you have and fees. Listen to today's episode with Jason Hartman, how he talks about how you can be an informed and empowered investor so that you can take action on your path to becoming financially free. Let's jump in right now.
1: Wealth Without Wall Street Tribe. Welcome to the show, Mr. Jason Hartman. Jason, so glad to have you,
0: my friend.
2: Hey, thanks, Joey. It's great to be here.
0: Jason, we, we get a chance to speak to a lot of people and, and looking at your background, having had a chance to hear you on many other shows, I'm grateful that you're spending time with us today. For our audience who hasn't had a chance to, to learn about who you are, I want to dig through that. But first, everybody has a story. Everybody has a point in time where they have this aha. And for some of them, it's it's bad. They, they're they grateful that they're past it. For some of them, they always look back and say, that was the moment that, that sprung before. For you, what was that point in time where you can say, man, my life changed here?
2: Yeah, Russ, you know, it's really hard to pick like one aha out of a, you know, a multi-year career. Obviously, there have been many of those over the years, Uh, like you say, good and bad. And, um, you know, uh, I guess my first one was when I was 16 years old, living in Los Angeles, California. Uh, Growing up, uh, I I did not grow up with money at all. Resources were very scarce in my life as a kid. And I wanted to change that. And I actually saw an infomercial for a real estate guru. And I went out and got his book. And I read three chapters of the book. I put it down, uh, didn't even think about it for two more years. But my mom had picked it up in that time and she started reading it and she got really interested in the topic of real estate investing. Um, And uh, so she started going to seminars, reading books, et cetera. And then a couple of years later, when I was 18, about to graduate from high school, she says, you know, Jason, there's this big uh, seminar uh, in Anaheim, California, by Disneyland. Why don't you go? And so I rounded up a bunch of my buddies from high school, went to that, and that was another aha when I I just didn't understand what those speakers were talking about. And I remember a year earlier, I had um, I had discovered uh, my four major mentors: Jim Rohn, Earl Nightingale, Dennis Waitley, Zig Ziglar. And I I remember what Earl Nightingale said on one of his audio cassette tapes, and that was. If you know, it was about just sort of humbling ourselves and learning the basics before we go on to do great things. And he used real estate as an example, interestingly. And he said, you know, if you want to get rich in real estate, learn the business first. And so I thought, you know, that's good advice. Why don't I just get my real estate license so I'll understand what these people are talking about, and then I'll worry about becoming an investor after that. And uh, first year of college, I got my license. Um, I was 19 by then I got, um, I bought my first investment property when I was 20 years old. I actually bought it from one of my own clients and, uh, the rest is history as they say.
0: <laughs> so what, what was the book that you say? You, 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 there was a book that you read from a real yeah. estate guru, put it down. Your mom picked it up. Who was that?
2: It was uh, a Robert Allen book.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Love that. Yep. So and you, you're, you're obviously taking a path that most people don't, right? Most people and their buddies in high school are not going to real estate conferences. So <laughs> kudos for you and your parents for, for pointing you in that direction. You started going down that path. Where did you start to see the most success?
2: You know, I started as a real estate agent and I was going to college. I was selling real estate part-time for Century 21 and I, the first thing I realized is I think my first day in the business when I got my real estate license at 19 years old was maybe one of my most productive days because I was doing everything. I was so excited to get started. And and when I looked around my office, I just I was struck by the idea that all of these people came in to just kind of socialize and complain and they weren't really working. They thought they were working because they were at the office. But what they were really doing was just sort of wasting time. Uh, A lot of them were sort of uh, what I'd call getting ready to get ready. And I remember this this one real estate agent in my office. He was a funny guy. His name was Jim. And uh, Jim would come in every day. He had like the most organized briefcase. He drank lots of coffee. He talked about everything. He kind of knew a lot of stuff, but he didn't actually do anything. <laughs> and, you know, he was always like preparing for something. And, you know, I, I just got on the phone and called people and talked to people. And an amazing, amazing thing happens when you just start talking to people. No matter what your business or career or what your goals are, just have some more conversations. Like magic comes out of talking to people. Uh, Not emailing them, not texting them, uh, not using smoke signals, talking (laughs) to people. God created us to talk. Okay. That's what we were created to do. Writing came much later. That's a man-made invention. Uh, it's, it has its place, of course, but uh, we were meant to talk. That's how communication was meant to work.
1: Well, and just like, you know, standing in a garage doesn't make you a car.
2: Right. <laughs> just going to
1: work doesn't make you actually be productive. So yeah. I, I appreciate what you're saying. And actually, I was in the mortgage business for 11 years and I used to call on real estate agents at their offices yeah, and you were literally drawing out the picture that I saw every time. It's like, yeah. these people are always here, but they don't actually close yeah. any business. That's interesting to me. Yeah, um, I want to talk about the communication aspect that you just brought up. What what made you successful in just being able to talk to people? Like, was it because you were fearless and you're young and didn't know any better? Or was it like I had kind of prepared it, it this throughout my lifetime, like this is what I was going to be doing. So I just was focused. What do you what do you attribute that to? Because I feel like people today, especially young people, it's almost like they don't have like any context for being able to to speak to people. It's like they want to hide behind their phones and devices and
2: stuff. Yeah. I mean, why would they? They play video games all day. They look at their phone all the time. I mean, they're literally missing out on life. It's it's truly unbelievable. There's this old video I remember from many years ago called Look Up. That's the name of the video. I got to find that video on YouTube. And it's about, you know, there's this, this uh, good looking girl and this good looking guy, and they're both single, and they want to meet someone and they're looking at their phones all the time. And they keep passing each other in public places. And they never see each other, because they're looking at this stupid little screen. And uh, it's, it's, it's Obviously, an addiction. These social media companies are evil, disgusting companies. They are ruining lives. And I hope someday they will be held accountable for what they're doing. Now, listen, I use social media. I love social media. It's it's a great tool, but it should just just be relegated to that a tool for further progression of communication. Um, same with dating sites, you know, for single people, right? Same idea, or married people, sadly, there are dating sites for them too, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> uh, the, the, the collapse of civilization is what we are literally witnessing right now. As I always say on my podcast, nineteen ninety was the peak of civilization.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, Joey was just a young whippersnapper there. So I don't know if Joey would remember 1990 very well. You don't
2: have to remember. There are movies and TV shows and books and music. And you can just go check it all out.
0: Fifth grade was
2: amazing. So your
0: your tagline here, I'm looking at it behind you, is empowered investor, right? Well, let's talk a little bit about how do we empower investors. I love that. I I think too oftentimes people... uh, you know, are sitting there hoping for someone else to make it for them, right? Yeah. They're the ones that are, are on Wall Street. That's why our brand is Wealth Without Wall Street. We're right. always about how do we empower? How do we sharpen someone's financial IQ so that they can know when to take action? Not that they have to do it all themselves, partner with people like yourself who are successful in real estate and can, can help them, but empower them. Talk a little bit about why that was so important for you.
2: Yeah. So, uh, first of all, I do want to make a comment. Uh, wall, I commonly say this on my podcast and my YouTube channel, wall street is the modern version of organized crime. It, it, it literally is. I mean, wall street is the modern version of organized crime and, uh, it makes the mafia look like a bunch of amateurs. Uh, it is just unbelievable. The kind of scandals and the kind of, uh, just devastation to financial lives Wall Street has caused people. So I applaud you for what you're doing. Um, The empowerment thing, uh, you know, when I started podcasting way back in 2005, uh, when nobody knew what a podcast was, uh, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what I realized is that um, as I was teaching people and uh, we started to notice a real change in the type of clientele Uh, that was coming in from the podcast. And those clients knew a lot because we were teaching them a lot. And usually they were finding other sources to learn things too. And what we found is that that was the best type of client, the highly educated client. Um, Many people in this sort of old style of business would rather have clients who are in the dark, who are dumb, Uh, who they can pull the wool over their eyes, who are people they can take advantage of because they're unaware. And, uh, you know, that's sort of this old style of business. If you look at the old funny movie, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, or, you know, if you've purchased a car lately, you probably know what that's like. Uh, If you've hired a a lawyer lately, you know what that's like. Um, You know, uh, doctors, uh, lawyers, you know, these professionals use Latin uh, phrases to keep us in the dark. So we don't know what the hell they're talking about and all this kind of stuff, right? They want to keep the consumer in the dark so that they are the ones with the knowledge And, uh, you know, we need them and we're more dependent on them. I think that's a terrible business model. I think the easiest customer is the most educated customer because you don't need to explain a lot to them. They get it, you know, they get it and they are easy to deal with. That's the type of customer I want, the type of client I want to deal with, someone who gets it. And through my teaching on, on my podcast, YouTube, uh, blog posting, social media, et cetera, you know, we attract customers that understand things and get it. And those customers are just dramatically easier because they are empowered, uh, because they, they have the knowledge when they come to us. They're just a lot easier to work with.
0: Well, I want to jump in there because if I'm riding down the road, listening to this or running on the treadmill or whatever I'm doing, capturing this this information you're sharing, the question that's going through my head is, am I a sophisticated investor? Am I knowledgeable? Do I know the things that Jason is speaking of? So would you mind breaking out some of those things that you would, when you say this person is knowledgeable, this person has an understanding of what we're talking about, what are some of those basic tenets?
2: Well, so when it comes to real estate investing, which is what I mostly teach, okay, uh, Mm -hmm. I've developed some really unique strategies that came out of my own head, they're not a, another copy of somebody else, okay? Uh, These are really, truly unique strategies. So I created a risk evaluation model to eliminate or highly mitigate downside risk when investing. Um, I created uh, a strategy I call inflation-induced debt destruction. Um, uh, You know, just a whole bunch of, of strategies. And I teach people, and usually what they do is they listen to the podcast or they watch my YouTube videos for a long time time before reaching out and becoming uh, an interested party. So they get a long time to sit with the information, to think about it, to hear it over and over again, not only from me, but for my team, from uh, guests that I've had on the shows, et cetera. And when they come to us, they, they know a lot of these things already. So they're, they're just much easier in terms of uh, uh, clients.
1: This podcast is amazing, almost too amazing, Russ. There's too many ideas, and I don't know where to get started
0: creating passive income. Well, here's the thing, Joey. I think one of the things you need to consider in that statement is what does it cost you to not know? What does it cost you not to take action? I love the statement that says you don't have to be great to start. You just have to start to be great. If you're struggling on where to start, you
1: have to know what type of investor you are. Know your investor DNA. And if you want to learn more about this, you can join us in our passport challenge at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Get started today. So what what would you say that you see the most when people are not prepared? Like, good for me to, like, let's put, put our thumb on the issues that you see when people have made the biggest mistakes in investing.
2: Oh, gosh, there are so many and there are so many strategies and, you know, I I could share my screen and show you slides and and do a ton of things to talk about these. But, um, you know, I I developed kind of a core for that many years ago called the Ten Commandments of successful investing. And I just broke it down to 10 basic things that if people do these, they're probably gonna be okay. Uh, You know, there are other weird things that can always happen along the way, but if they follow my 10 basic commandments, uh, they can really, really get a, a good head start on things. And so one of them I would say that's resonated with people the most is commandment number three. And that commandment is, thou shalt maintain control. And what I mean by that is I compare it to Wall Street style investing, where you are relinquishing control to somebody else. You're, you're giving your money to somebody across the desk from you, you know, wearing a nice suit, who's been to a good school, so on and so forth. And you know, what these people really are is just glorified money raisers. You know, they network, they go to social events and they bring in money. They don't know much about investing. They hand it over to money managers and those money managers, uh, you know, they make a lot of money from, the, from, uh, from your money being invested. Um, but the three basic problems that you have have when you relinquish control to somebody else are, number one, you might be investing with a crook. Number two, you might be investing with an idiot. And number three, assuming they're honest and competent, they take a huge management fee off the top for managing the deal. So these three things, when you do not maintain control, when you do not follow commandment number three, are the things you leave yourself susceptible to. So a couple of quick examples. Um, First one is, uh, you might get just ripped off, okay? So we're all familiar with Bernie Madoff, Enron, Global uh, Crossing, WorldCom. I mean, the list is endless of Wall Street scandals. Uh, So you might get ripped off. Now, it might be also in a deal like a syndication deal or a smaller deal, a private placement memorandum, you might get ripped off because you're relinquishing control to somebody else, okay? So the second problem that happens is uh, you might be investing with an idiot and they'll just lose your money because of their sheer stupidity, right? It's, you know, it's not their money. So nobody cares about your money as much as you do. That's just the way it is. Third problem is, assuming they're honest and competent, they they just take a big management fee off the top for managing the deal. So one example that comes to mind, I read this great book I'd highly recommend. It's an old book. It's called War on the Middle Class by Lou Dobbs. Okay, the, you know, CNN and Fox anchor, uh, we all know Lou Dobbs, great book, War on the Middle Class. In the book, in chapter two, he talks about all of these Wall Street CEOs and how much money they took out of the company while their shareholders were losing money. And the most egregious example of them all, and don't quote me on the exact numbers because I'm just doing this from memory, uh, but... From 2000 to 2002, in only two years, Larry Ellison, the founder and CEO of Oracle, we all know Oracle, we have all heard of Larry Ellison. (laughs) In that two-year period, Larry Ellison took almost a billion dollars out of the company. It was like, I want to say $761 million, almost a billion dollars, okay, in two short years. Yet at the same time, his shareholders lost 61% of their investment, and that is totally legal. It's disgusting, but it's legal. And there there has been a total misalignment between management, investment banks, and shareholders and what they get. And there's also a total misalignment between the C-class, the C-suite and workers and what they get. Oh, the whole thing is just completely out of alignment now. It wasn't always that way, but that's what it's become. It's become this this monster. It's just a, a machine that just rips off investors.
0: Well, they they've made it to where they feel like it's the easy button for investing the mutual yeah. fund, right? I think I heard Robert Kiyosaki recently say there's never been there's never been mutual in nature. It's always been one sided, and it's always it's a good way to consumer, put it, yeah. right? So, yeah. I mean, when you think about that, the further you get away from the end investment, the Further you are away from actually getting the return, there's so many people in the middle, and the person closest to it is the one, as you just gave a great example. With yeah. their, what, you know. what
2: you're describing is something an economist from 250 years ago uh, described, and it was named after him. It's called the Cantillon or Cantillion effect, right. right? And you probably know about this, and that's why you're alluding to it. The people closest to the money get the most of it. They get the money first, and then the rest of it is inflated away before the rest of us receive it. And so that's true of central bankers, insiders, Wall Street. Um, yeah, it's just politicians. It's it's a. No, I, it's know,
0: our our audience listens and, and and is really finally attuned to that conversation yeah. of what's happening there. I do want to talk though how. In your world, you're helping investors get closer to the investment. You're helping them have more control, be more empowered. Talk a little bit about some of the things that you're doing and how you're working within investors right now.
2: So what we believe in is direct investing. So uh, we just help people be direct investors. They just buy properties through our referral network and they own those properties. They control those properties. They decide what to rent them for, who to rent them to, how much to rent them for, uh, when to refinance them, when to sell them, when to 1031 exchange them, how to finance them when they buy it. It's their deal. It's their thing. And so you, you dramatically reduce the chances that you can ever be ripped off or suffer incompetence or suffer a manager taking a giant management fee off the top for managing the deal. That's what it's about, being a direct investor. That's commandment number three, thou shalt maintain control.
1: Let me, let me ask you this, you guys typically work in the single family dwelling unit yep. rentals type deal. Why is that your strategy for direct investing as a primary versus something like, multifamily or, or or another asset class?
2: Well, you know, I'm a huge fan of the middle class. I didn't grow up in the middle class, <laughs> but uh, I, I like the middle class. And I think the middle, I think you need a large middle class to have a stable society and a stable country. And uh, sadly, the middle class is just being hollowed out. And uh, so that is the easy access point for middle and upper middle class investors is just buy single family homes. Now I have a whole bunch of reasons I think single family homes are the best real estate investment, better than apartments, better than uh, commercial properties, uh, of other, you know, office, retail, industrial, whatever. I love single family homes. They are my favorite asset class. Um, and I have a whole bunch of reasons for that take a while to go down that rabbit hole. We can discuss <laughs> well, it if you want.
0: Well, I, I know we have limited time, so I want to be be really good. But everybody loves to hear kind of when our our guests come on and they and they, they share these nuggets with them. They're, they're sharing why they believe it and how, how they've seen it help others. And then they want to hear how has it helped you? So Jason, talk a little bit about the things that you personally have invested in and how that's benefited you and kind of what's the next step for you
2: yeah so you know of course i invest in my businesses i also own a software business called real estate tools um and the main product there is propertytracker.com that helps people evaluate and manage real estate once they once they buy it and by the way shameless pitch uh you can get a free account at propertytracker.com so it's it's a, a free software and um uh, you know uh the, the um so i invest in my businesses that was really your question and then i also in terms of real estate i've owned many many single family homes over the years Uh, i've also owned two big apartment complexes and a couple small apartment complexes by big i mean 139 units 125 units Uh, i've got a 120 unit mobile home park Uh, but i think single family homes are the simplest most accessible, best appreciating asset class in the real estate world. Uh, It's just so accessible. They're favorable for financing. There are just so many reasons that single family homes are great.
1: And, And so what is kind of on the horizon for you, Jason? Like you've obviously built a great business. You've built passive income through real estate and other ventures, software, and all these other things. What's kind of the next step for you, what do you see you you heading?
2: Well, one of the projects I'm really excited about that I've been working on for a while now, and I've done a lot of podcasts about this. I've talked a lot about it on my own podcast too, but I've been on other people's is an index I created because what I found is that um, people uh, have a really hard time understanding the value of real estate because they only compare it to one thing, interestingly. And that one thing is the US dollar. And many times they, they don't know how to keep score. They think it's expensive when it's really not that expensive. Uh, and um, the tools out there like the Case-Shiller Index, uh, other indices that talk about the real estate market and the value of real estate are just shockingly bad. And so I created, I think, the best index for that. It's called the HCI or the Hartman Comparison Index. And it really helps people understand the value of properties compared to a whole bunch of other asset classes, rather than just one asset, the US dollar, which is a moving target. So why would we only compare the, the price of something to one thing that's just always struck me as a very unusual thing? And that's basically what every other index does. Why not compare it to a whole bunch of things, uh, you know? Compare it to gold, to rice, to wheat, to oil, to a whole bunch of other things, to services like haircuts, uh, you know, just all of these other things in the economy. So we can really understand the real value and what is the right measuring stick to value real estate, and then compare it to inflation and compare it historically over the last fifty-two years to really understand whether real estate is cheap or expensive. And that gives you a clue as to where it's going. Is it gonna go down or is it gonna go up, right? If you, in order to answer that question, you gotta know first, is it cheap or is it expensive?
0: Well, and I think that's the question that people wanting to know right now, right? I mean, if we see a, a ridiculous run up, obviously over the last two to three years, it was already growing at significant rates. What do you see your index saying about real estate as it compares to that other basket of goods?
2: yeah, well, that's a great question, and we could do a whole nother show on this if you want someday. <laughs> but um it, it, this may come as a shock to people. But real estate is actually surprisingly cheap right now. Believe it or not, even with the higher interest rates, it's not the cheapest it's ever been, but it is surprisingly cheap. Let me just give you a couple examples really quickly. And by the way, if you want, I can share my screen and show you this.
0: Yeah, do it. It'd be, it'd be yeah. amazing. That's why is, we, yeah. we encourage people to go to YouTube and watch the the podcast so you can take action, see what's happening on the screen. So thank you. Yeah, if you want to yeah. share your I'll screen. Go ahead do.
2: and do that. And just uh, you have to let it into the meeting, though. Okay. So here, uh, this is uh, the mortgage payment adjusted for inflation over time. So for the median price home in 1970, 52 years ago, the mortgage payment was $127. Today, adjusted for the, well, today in nominal dollars, not adjusted for inflation, it's about $1,900. And everybody thinks, God, that's so expensive because when I was a kid, uh, the mortgage payment was only $127 or whatever you're gonna hear an older person say, right? Or my parents' (laughs) payment was only $127, right? But today adjusted for inflation, uh, according to the consumer price index, that payment is actually $257 a month. Now, in constant dollars, The payment is almost double what it was 52 years ago. It's a little more than it was 42 years ago, but it's more than it's really ever been historically in the last half a century, adjusted for consumer price index. But the consumer price index is a total scam. It's a complete lie. It is a highly manipulated index because the government wants to hide the true rate of inflation. They do this in three major ways. Weighting, substitution, and hedonic indexing. What are those things? Weighting. So it's a basket of goods, that's the CPI. And if one thing in the index goes up in price, they will de-weight it, and they'll put that weight more onto something else to make inflation look lower. Uh, Substitution, is actually literally happening right now. On my uh, YouTube channel on Monday and on my podcast on Monday, on the 4th of July, I showed an inflation chart of how your 4th of July cookout was affected by inflation. And the price of beef almost doubled. The price of chicken went up a lot, but not quite that much, only by about maybe 30%. So what they'll do in the index is they'll assume that if the price of beef goes up, everybody will just switch to chicken but maybe you don't like chicken. Maybe you think chicken's a dirty bird and you want beef, right? So (laughs) that's substitution. Hedonic indexing is even more uh, complicated. It's the most complicated thing they do. They just assume that as mostly technological products get better and better, they assume that uh, they cost less and less even though they don't just because they got better. And basically what they're saying there is, uh, you as the consumer are not entitled to progress. The consumer price index is entitled to progress. Okay, so what happened? What's the history of this? Around 1980, when the inflation of the 70s, Jimmy Carter, that terrible era in our economy in the 70s, as inflation got really, really out of control. And when Reagan assumed power, it was still running really, really hot. They started to manipulate the consumer price index a lot and change the way they reported inflation so they could lie to all of us. And so there's a website called shadowstats.com. I had the founder on my podcast. His name is John Williams. And what he does is he doesn't figure inflation his own way. He just simply calculates the real inflation rate by the way the government used to calculate inflation before they manipulated it so much around 1980. Okay? So I'm going to add a column to this chart now, and I'm going to show you the shadow stats numbers adjusted for real inflation the old way the government used to do it. So that $127 payment 52 years ago, according to the old way the government used to calculate inflation is $76 today. Most people think their house payment is so high because it's $1,870 a month. But what they're not realizing is the value of the dollar has declined so much that it's not that their payment went up, It's that the value of the currency they're using to pay it with went down. Right. Now, hopefully, their income keeps pace with inflation. And that depends. Right. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Mostly it doesn't. And that's a sad state of affairs. And that's why the middle class is being taxed so heavily with what's called the inflation tax. It's a complete scam. They're trying to destroy the middle class. This is a a genuine a coordinated attempt to hollow out the middle class so we can have an elite class of people who are in bed with government and a poor class who is dependent on government just like most other countries around the world america has always been a great country because it had a large middle class
0: and jason you're speaking our language i know we got to run yeah. this is the key here though listen up tribe that Being an empowered investor, being an informed investor helps you understand that we don't take our money and we go burn it on liabilities. We go buy assets that produce income that help us far exceed the CPI that we're, we're, we're talking about and sharing with you on the show today. Jason is an amazing example. He's given you several books, several different websites that you can go to, but the one I would send you to first is JasonHartman.com, where all of this stuff is listed. Jason, we we've had so much fun listening to you. We could do this all day long. Um, is there any other place or any other information you'd like to give our listener before we go?
2: Uh, yeah, I would just say, check out my podcast, the creating wealth show, and then my YouTube channel and, uh, lots there, uh, and, um, you know, lots of, lots of free information, free education. So I want to thank you for having me on and happy investing to you and all of your listeners.
1: Thanks as always for listening. And, uh, if you found value today, please rate, review, and share this with somebody else so that we can beat the big algorithm and get more people on their road to financial freedom. We'll see you on the next episode.